Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hello, and welcome to episode 20 of Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football and craft beer fan podcast and the official podcast of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. I'm Drew, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Ben. Thanks, Drew. Each episode, we will sample beers, both local and beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight. We encourage you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the most up-to-date show information. And please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform or stream each episode on wannabewalkons.com. New episodes drop during the Nebraska football season every Tuesday at 11 a.m. This week's episode marks our season one finale. Oh, Hey, don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. I'm smiling through my tears. Does that count? It does today. For more than one reason. (laughs) (laughs) On this week's episode, Drew and I will sample beer from Loop Brewing Company in McCook, Nebraska, share our thoughts on the Iowa game, look back on the 2021 season, and turn the corner ever so slightly to 2022. I'm Ben. And I'm Drew. And this is Wannabe Walk-Ons. All right, Drew. So here we are at the end of the season. We decided that for this episode, we would start with not only a glass of beer, but also uh, a nice pour of whiskey. And right now we're enjoying uh, what's referred to as an infinity bottle. This is an infinity bottle from my collection where whenever I'm near the end of a bottle or when I crack open one that I think fits well, I add two ounces to this bottle and create a unique blended whiskey. And so now we're trying a blended whiskey that has about nine different whiskeys blended in there. And it's I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's a fun idea. I can't say that I have one of my own. I appreciate you letting me partake in your own. Well, it, it felt fitting. You know, you try and look for celebratory situations in which to crack open special alcohol, <laughs> but you don't realize that sometimes it's when you're not celebrating that you need to partake. Yeah, this is a this is comfort. Yeah, I mean, us. well, I guess I guess we're celebrating the end of our first season of the podcast. We made it all the way through to the end, so we can. We can raise a glass to that and cheers and yeah, cheers. toast and take a sip and just a fun thing to do if in addition to beer or you don't like beer and you like whiskey instead, it's a fun way to kind of build a, a flavor collection, so to speak, and, and hang on to those and you can keep adding and subtracting. And I keep notes so I know that I have like Buffalo Trace in here. I've got some Angel's Envy with their rum finished rye. Uh, I even have a scotch that goes really well with this. It's high in vanilla and bourbony notes and it's a 15-year uh, single estate scotch, meaning that everything that's in that scotch was grown on the same grounds and property and everything like that. So we're going to be sipping on that whiskey throughout the show while we're also drinking beer, because why the hell not? Yeah, I, I'll probably finish mine while we're talking about special teams. <laughs> that's only fair. 
Uh, I will say this too. Before we sat down to record, my my wife was loading the kids up in the car to go over to grandma and grandpa's. Drew right, pulled right into the driveway and my two-year-old uh, wanted to be loaded into the car seat by my wife. And I said, no, daddy's going to get you in the car. And just straight out of his mouth, he just goes, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was a first for us uh, with him. And so we had to explain to him that that's a naughty word that you don't say. And uh, it was just the perfect way <laughs> to, to cap the morning. Oh, that's so, good. That's good. Well, let's move into, again, recapping this year. And I've got some beer stats. And I just wanted to go over the beer stats about what we have drank so far on this show. And I thought you might find this interesting. And I might quiz you on this, Drew. Okay. All right. We'll see how much I remember. Yeah. Yeah. So over the course of these 20 episodes, what do you think the number is for different styles of beer we've consumed? Oh, different styles. Different styles. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say probably close to... 15? 15. Good guess. Yeah. 19 different beer styles nice. on this show. The most popular styles were in a three-way tie for third place with five appearances each. Yeah. <laughs> My kind of three-way. The only one that I'll ever experience. <laughs> <laughs> Not a family-friendly show. Not at all. Okay. Cream ales, ambers and red ales, and imperial stouts all had five appearances on the show. In second place with six appearances, American lagers which I think we found some ones that we surprised ourselves with that we yeah, really Yeah, some enjoyed. really good ones. Yeah. You don't expect a lot from that category. At least I don't. Yeah. And then in first place with 12 appearances, you want to guess? Is it IPAs? Close. Hazy IPAs. Okay. Well, that's not surprising. Yeah. yeah. So I broke up kind of your West Coast and your you know New England style IPAs, and hazy IPAs came up with 12 appearances. Any guesses to how many different beers we tried? Man, if we did, so 20 episodes and we did at least two per... There were some other ones doing some quick math. I would say probably 60 beers. Oh, man. 63. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Really on it. Uh, we sampled beer from 31 different breweries, 19 of which were local Nebraska brewers. In total, the beer we drank from Nebraska traveled 2,680 miles going from their brewery to our glass. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. I don't know how many trips to the moon that is. I'm guessing it's not even one. <laughs> That's a, I mean, that's, that's what, two thirds of the United States? Sure. Two thirds of the way across. I don't know geography. All right. <laughs> it just sounds, it sounded like a lot. It's a lot of miles. It is a lot of miles and we appreciate every single mile traveled. So uh, from season one, Drew, do you have any favorites that jump out or jump to mind? I've got a lot, actually. I, I have a list of the, I was looking back through the ones that we enjoyed. And so uh, Fields of Gold by Big Hair, that was our first. Yeah. And so everybody remembers their first. A couple others, um, episode five, Gaze of the Basilisk and Vets Blend from Cosmic Eye. Oh, yeah. Um, Cosmic Eye, their brewery as a whole, really jumps out. Episode eight, Back Alley Porter. I really liked that one, and that had a unique um, story behind it with how they roasted their grains in a bread oven, which I thought was kind of neat. Donna's Raspberry Pilsner from Divots. Uh, we did that one in episode 12. Yeah. That one I remember jumping out, just surprising me and catching me off guard yeah. in a good way. Yeah. Right? Um, so I included that on my list. And then the Abyssal Mouth Collection in episode 14, the blend yeah. in particular. Oh. Yeah. That might be my favorite that we tried. Really? Throughout the whole season. Okay. Yeah. Dear Old Nebraska Brew by Zipline in episode 17. That's one that I'll probably be enjoying on the regular because mm -hmm. that's just a good kickback beer. Um, and then Wonder Twins IPA from Scratchtown in our last one. Yeah. Episode 19. That's a 
that's an example for me of a very typical combination of hops that you find in IPAs with mosaic and citra. Um, so it's kind of like, man, we've like we've I've done this like a million times, but they did it differently. They yeah. did it in a way that stood out even after all those those times trying it. So, and then the sportsman sip, Jackie O's Sunless Sea. That was Ohio State. Yeah, I think um, that's my that was my favorite out of state. Yeah, beer. So. I know it's a long list. I I couldn't I couldn't decide. And that's okay. Yeah. I had a I had a list too, but you named every single one on my <laughs> list. Yeah, no, the ones that jumped out to me were the the cream ale from Big Hair Brew House. Mm-hmm. Uh, the raspberry pills took me off guard as well, and yeah. it was one where like when I think back on beers where I'm like, man, I could go for a beer right now. I wish I had that in my fridge. Yes. So if divots, if you're listening to this. Please can and distribute to Omaha because we will stock or just up. Send us a keg. We have yeah. kegerators. We do have kegerators, so we could also <laughs> handle like that. Or sure. maybe we just take a trip out to to Norfolk and we could do that and too. do that yeah. too. Just sit there and drink. Yeah, endlessly. bring Muhammad to the mountain. Yeah, as they say. And yeah. then Sunless Sea as as my favorite of the uh, the sportsman sips as well. That was a mm-hmm. special beer. I had some people actually reach out like how do I get that beer yeah because they could hear it in our voices that we were just <laughs> just like blown away. yeah overwhelmed yeah. with that beer now I gotta say the beer that we have in front of us right now from Loop Brewing Company is also a very very good beer yes so before we dive into that let's get into the backstory behind Loop Brewing Company and then talk about this stout that we have in front of us So Tyler Loop of Loop Brewing Company became interested in owning a brewery back in 2008 His journey began, as most of the greats do, with home brewing in his McCook abode and daydreaming about one day owning a brewery of his own. In 2010, Tyler's dream drew closer to reality when he entered and won the Hormel Business Plan Competition through Mid Plains Community College. The competition's goal since its inception was to help support and develop individuals and new business ideas in southwest Nebraska. They sure picked a winner when Tyler Loop's proposal won first prize. Winning the top prize in 2010 afforded Tyler and his wife, Tyler Sue, the opportunity to study under Colorado Brew Boys master brewer, Tom Hennessy. It was during this time that the Loops learned the ins and outs of running a brewery and brewing on a commercial scale. Around the same time, Adam Siegfried, a former classmate of Tyler Sue's, was looking to offer McCook a new dining experience, one that differed from the experience residents got at his other restaurant, the Copper Mill Steakhouse. Using recipes lovingly stolen from his grandmother's, Adam landed on a casual dining pizza concept as his next venture. Now, if anything in this world is going to give beer and football a run for its money, it's pizza and beer. And as you've probably guessed by now, the Loops and Adam joined forces to bring craft beer and handmade pizza together for the town of McCook. The Loops steamed ahead and purchased one of McCook's oldest buildings to house their brewery, a former railroad ice house responsible for bringing the finest ice to residents of McCook. The ice transported to the building was also used to keep perishables and beer cold to and from Chicago. One could argue it was the most important building in southwest Nebraska. After a solid renovation that included resurrecting the original hardwood floors and painting a beautiful locomotive mural, Loop Brewing Company was ready to open. And on November 14, 2011, they did just that. Tyler, Tyler Sue, and Adam were met with an outpouring of support by the McCook community, along with rave reviews for their beer and pizza. Today, Loop Brewing Company is celebrating their 10-year anniversary. They continue to pay homage to their roots through age-old traditions of quality and handcrafted food and beer. If you find yourself in McCook with a hunger and a thirst, make your way to Loop Brewing Company and enjoy a pint and a pie along the very railroad tracks that shaped the town some 130 years ago. And that is Loop Brewing Company out of McCook. Now, I also need to give a special shout out to my dad, Scott, who was in McCook and brought us back this beer. It's a very difficult beer to get in this part of town because McCook is 
kind of so far out there. Fortunately for us, they crowl. So they crowled him a couple of cans. And we are drinking. Well, shoot, Drew, tell me, what are we drinking? Well, first of all, thanks, Scott. Thanks for uh, bringing back some beer for us and bringing back a good one so far. This is the Pearson Russian Imperial Stout. This is a 15.7% ABV, brewed in honor of Loop's 10th anniversary. So, Drew, you might be asking what makes a Russian stout differ from an English stout. And I'm going to tell you because people haven't gotten enough of my voice on this episode (laughs) to begin with. Russian imperial stouts were first brewed in England for Emperor Peter the Great of Russia. They're higher in alcohol than traditional English stouts. Expect to find big notes of chocolate, coffee, and dried fruit when you come across an imperial stout. Drew, what do you think about this beer? I really like this one. This is this is a nice, rich, chocolatey version of the imperial stout. And so I'm actually comparing it to the Lord of Ord, which we had on the last episode, which hit a lot of those coffee notes for mm-hmm. me. It is just a this is just an example of the variation that you find within a style of beer that is massive in in how much it varies from beer to beer. Like yep. the the variety that you can find here in the complexity. It that's what this beer kind of allows for. And so yeah, so I think with Loop, yeah, I think they hit that chocolate note really well. What are you thinking of it? I'm thinking the exact same thing. This reminds me of a really nice piece of dark chocolate where you start off with the sweetness, get hit with that rich chocolate flavor, and then the bitterness just balances and finishes. So you can really see where the hops play into this beer and bring that bitterness note so that you're not just hit with total sweetness. And that bitterness also helps tamp down that alcohol burn that you might expect from something that's so high on the ABV. Even though you may not associate bitter with giving you that smooth quality, that's really what it serves here. Hit with the sweetness, the full chocolate flavor, and then right as that alcohol heat starts to hit, you finish with that bitterness. And so it just makes for a really smooth drinking experience. This is really nice and cold too, which which helps as well, kind of get you more of the flavors, less of the alcohol heat. Mm-hmm. And what a great drinking experience this is. It's a light, lighter beer than I anticipated. I thought when it poured, it was more kind of like that motor oily, really dark, but the carbonation really lifts this beer without it feeling thin. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from with that. And for being almost 16%, it's an easy drinker, which is dangerous. Yeah, I found myself taking a sip of the whiskey and then being like, oh, I need to kind of, I need something a little lighter. And then you're like, oh, I'm turning to a 16% beer. (laughs) That's true. That might be why it's so easy to drink when you're sitting next to a whiskey, but. I'm not complaining. No, not at all. Not at all. And we're going to need it because Drew, you know what we're going to talk about now? (sighs) Football. Football against Iowa. Yes. Fuck. So Nebraska dropped their season finale with a score of 21 to 28. Iowa walked away with the win and Nebraska walked away with a three and nine regular season record. That was a that was a tough game to watch, obviously, especially when Nebraska's up 21 to six with what we feel like is very little game to go the final quarter. Iowa's got a oof of an offense, Mm -hmm. but yet it wasn't their offense that came away with the big plays. No. Yeah. The defense gave up seven points. To their offense as far oh they gave up a touchdown I should say um they gave up a lot of field goals but uh, yeah that was a, that was different because they had a huge lead late all they had to do was just ice the game away just close they weren't playing from behind they weren't playing down two possessions in the fourth quarter no. you know clawing their way back into this one and so it was it was the same but different yeah you know it was the same in the sense that like the same things cost them this game just yeah. in a different sure. fashion. Sure. So, different sequence of events. So again, with that linear, linear thing about football. Well, as we do, we talk about each group. Yep, and we always start with special teams. So, what do you have on special teams? Well, so I'll start off with the good. I'll start off with the good that I found in special teams from this game. Oh, you're gonna talk about Iowa? 
No, I'm going to talk about literally one one play, one single play that I absolutely loved from our, not even our special teams as a whole, but Phelan Sanford had an incredible punt coverage play. He did. Yeah, where he took he took down, I don't remember the guy's name. Chris Jones? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. a really good returner. One of the best in the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah he took him down for a negative one yard return and, and, and really lit him up to a point where like, yeah, that kind of made me sit up in my seat a yeah. little bit. And I was like, yeah, like where the hell has this been all you season? You know, Phelan Sanford's been in that position quite a bit this year. He's always down there in that gunner position. It was just kind of that the time to make the play and he made the play and he had experience, you know, cattle roping and, yeah. and tying things up <laughs> yeah. if you follow him on social media and man, it looked like it paid off. Yeah, for that one play. And then the rest was garbage. So the block punt for a touchdown. Yeah. Worse than that was Scott Frost talking about the punt block for a touchdown after yeah, the game. That was rough. The uh the quote that the punt the blocked punt was the game. And I think what he's trying to go at there is that swung the momentum. But why would you put that on your team? I honestly, I think that's just like really an open and honest response from him in that moment. Yeah. But it's a glimpse into exactly what's wrong with this team and this sure. coaching staff. If Scott Frost believes that the game was lost at that moment. When they were still up five points. Yeah. That that tells you all you need to know about Scott Frost. Really. I mean, and his, and his, his mentality in these games and I get it like it's when you when you've been in the situation so many times like yeah it's hard to get outside of your outside of your mind in that situation that here we go again moment because that's how it was for all of us as fans right like we yeah. all thought the same thing a good coach stays away from that mentality in that moment and he keeps his team away from that mentality in that moment and that didn't happen sure. in this game so I'm going to ask you this then so you're on the sideline instead of Scott and that moment happens what do you say to your offense before they take the field again I, I don't know. I don't know because I'm not, I'm, I, I'm not in that position. Like, I don't, I am in the spot of the fan. I, I mean, I guess for looking back on my life in those situations where it's like, great, here we go again. How do I pull a team out of that? I fucking lie, honestly. Right. Yeah. But I, I believe my lie when I'm speaking it. Sure. This is going to be okay. You know, like, it's going to be okay. Like, just keep, get up and get going again. Like, just do it again. Like, lean, lean on what you know. Yeah. And just like we're not losing, like that's not we've and we've talked about it, you and I before. Games don't come down to a single play, right? They just don't, so. especially not when you're getting the ball back. You're going to have the ball probably in a favorable spot on the 25 yard line. You're in a situation where okay, you've been having these methodical drives against Iowa the entire day, especially when you start out at the 25 after a kick. Let's regroup. Let's calm ourselves. Let's go down and at least flip the field. Get to a point to where then our defense has had some time to rest. They're ready to come out on fire. Worst case scenario, we go down and we score six. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's almost like the worst thing we could do is go score a touchdown if we just have that mentality of like, let's go finish this game off. Let's have another five minute drive and give Iowa a two score hole to climb out of. Yeah. And at that point, nothing about your other phases of your game worry you, right? Right. Like your offense has become a little bit stagnant, maybe since then since you know second half began but like your defense is continuing to hold logan smothers hadn't really made any big mistakes at that point i don't think no and so like what's there to be afraid of like the only thing that they're afraid of at that point is their past sure and that's a dumb fucking thing to be afraid of and that's a thing that keeps coming up to bite them in the ass especially so. when you look at the lineup of this team for this specific game a lot of the past ain't there You've got a lot of the future players that are now in, a lot of the guys who are going to be key players next season on defense and on offense, potentially, who are now in the game in a spot to win the game and move forward and to get rid of all that shit that's been following you from the entire season. I do agree that the post-game press conference quote 
is incredibly disconcerting to hear, where that's not the game. You're up by five. The mentality should be, okay, let's go put another seven on the board and distance ourselves because we're better than this team. Everybody so everybody who listens regularly knows that I'm out on Scott Frost. Yeah. Everybody who listens regularly knows that you're still buying in. And you're, you are buying in because you think him moving to the CEO position might work with yes. Trev Alberts leading that charge. Correct. This play is an example of him needing to be in that CEO chair. Absolutely. Because another thing he said after the game was he said I don't know I have to go back and look. I wasn't I wasn't watching. Yeah. So your punt team is out on the field and you're not watching. You don't know why or how that they gave up that block for the touchdown because you're focused on what like your next offensive drive or whatever the hell else you got going on. And so yeah, so he he was not paying attention. And so he looks up and there's Iowa celebrating a touchdown. And so, yeah, like, like how else is he going to react? Of course, he's going to be like, what the fuck? What the fuck happened? And, and right. he's going to take on that emotion um, and then exude it. And his team is going to feed off of it. So sure. hopefully, hopefully changing his role during the game, at least in those moments when they do happen, helps change how he reacts and handles that situation and how he keeps his team on board. Right. Moving forward, saying it's OK. We're we can still do this. Yeah, I appreciate you coming to this this side now and understanding <laughs> yes that's no what that I, is. I think you actually put that in a way that I haven't been able to articulate throughout this show and, and throughout our conversations because yeah that is how I feel where it's difficult to wear that many hats and these are a really weird Wisconsin and Iowa are a really weird situation where he's having to wear the hat of four different people and hope that these assistants interims whatever they are are filling those those positions and for Nebraska to not have that drop off just tells you the kind of talent that they have and the kind of game planning that could happen. So to have minds behind this where they are in that charge and then Scott Frost can lend his expertise in those moments might help elevate. So that's why I am still bought in. For me, it has less to do with Scott being the hometown boy and for him being the Nebraska guy. It's this is an area where we just haven't tried yet for a head coach. We haven't given them the opportunity to like overhaul, change their approach, go that route without it being a directive like with Mike Riley having to get rid of Mark Banker and and bring in big time Bob Diaco. You know, that that was a directive for Mike Riley to have to go and do as opposed to like, hey, this is the natural progression of your leadership. And Scott Frost is still a young coach. He still needs to learn how to do these things. And if we're going to be on the hook to pay him, we might as well be the place where he grows in that front. So it's not so much to me about Frost being the hometown guy. It's about this is something that's been an issue with Nebraska time after time, coach after coach. I don't want to say that it's you know the best 3-9 and nine team in the country because that's that does nothing for me. I don't care statistically if we were good at moving the ball. That's We'd, not something to brag about. No, it's really Sorry. not. But a guy who is potentially on that tipping point, if he really believes that he is on that tipping point and these are the changes that are going to get it over there, I say give that a shot before we go back to the coaching carousel. And that's fine. Like I'm all I'm I have no choice. So I'm gonna I'm buckling up and going for the ride, you yeah. know? And I'm gonna make the most of it as far as like my own perspective. Um, you know, I'll I'll try to find some some hope and whatnot. Started digging into like the postseason statistics and yeah. like it makes it hard because now I'm digging my heels in even harder on on my own position in my own sure. mind, thinking like, no, like this team was not anywhere fucking close to anything like yeah. that they're saying they're they're close to they're not like some weird anomaly you know this wasn't some freak incident like there was there was 
some things happening here that were very consistent game in and game out that were causing them to lose games that were fixable um, under the right conditions with the right people in the right places. But anyway, all that said, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't, we're, we're, we'll recap, we'll continue to recap Iowa. Um, I was say, and this, yeah, and we'll get back, we'll get back teams. into it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what special teams does. And the, that's what we saw in the game, right? Like yeah. you, you start talking about Nebraska special teams and you, and your conversation just spirals into these, like these huge, like it really is 30, amazing. thousand foot views of the program. I think that happens in the game too, in the players' minds. It's this, this, it's a single play. It's one play and yeah it was it was dramatic and drastic in the result but yeah it makes I feel like as a player and the coach like they're they spiral mentally just like we do as fans it's not so much that the singular play is the issue it's it's that kind of like shockwave that goes out from the play where then it hits the sidelines and then that starts to ripple and it has that ripple effect where it just starts to hit layer after layer after layer so special teams is the start of it and it's been the issue for this team in multiple games. I mean, how many times a kickoff returned, a punt returned, a punt blocked return for a touchdown? Like, those are just three games that come to mind where special teams has let us down in a sense as a fan base. But also for this team, special teams has been the backbreaker. And so you just sit there and you just wonder, like, what is the bigger issue here? Well, it's this coach who's not seeing it from that 30,000-foot perspective because he's so dialed in to that offensive scheme. And for you, it's like, well, that's an issue with him and you're not necessarily convinced that it's not going to be an issue moving forward. For me, it's maybe that's the issue. And if we remove that issue, then we start to see some resolution there. And I think that's really the, the juxtaposition between you and I. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and, and hopefully, um, you know, Husker fans, no matter where they fall on that side of the argument, continue to support. And, I don't you know, think that's going to be an issue. Team. Yeah. Um, and even pull for frost. Like, even if you think he shouldn't be here, like, yeah. I, I think, you want to see him succeed. Yeah, you know, that that's that's something interesting to point out is, you know, we had Josh Peterson on the show a few episodes ago and some people are fans of Josh, some people aren't fans of Josh and it boils down to his perspective and, and some feel that he's negative, other feels that he's a realist. It doesn't matter where you fall on that front. What I saw yesterday was someone tweeted out to him was like, are you happy now? And he's like, fuck no, I'm no, not happy. Right. I'm a fan so of ridiculous. this team. Like, I don't, he didn't want to be right in this situation. You don't want to be right in this situation. You'd like to see that turnaround. And it's not something where, like, if we're right, I'm going to be like, ha, I fucking told you, Drew, you should have been on board. That's just the differing of our opinions where that stuff falls. And regardless of where you're at, the point is you support the student athletes, you support the, support the students on the field who are giving their all and giving everything they have. You know, now that we start talking about offense, you got to commend guys like Logan Smothers who came in, who's been written off basically for the past two years of, like, a 50% Adrian is better than 100% Logan Smothers. Well, I don't think that's the case. No, not at all. And he came out and proved that against a good defense in a tough spot, too. Like, you got to think about the pressure that's on him, you know, with all these senior players going out there at home. It's a rivalry game. You've lost to this team so many years in a row. You're on its massive skid. You want to launch your your 22 season with a with a win here it's a lot of pressure to put on a on his shoulders yeah and i he answered the call i mean he did very well yeah he had a couple of mistakes but it's no different than any of the mistakes we've been seeing and they weren't any more glaring than anything we've seen all season no yeah and there were in game there was the in-game pressure i think that caused some of those mistakes and it wasn't all on him either you know the position that he was put in with some of the play calls and stuff like that was not great and I think his lack of experience throughout this season like the lack of opportunities that he had in game Mm -hmm. showed up late 
in this game. Yeah, specifically, I think the, the Levi Falk interception is, is a really key play to look at. And it's not just, oh, that was the interception, so that was the end of the game. But to me, that was one of the things that stood out from an overall, again, that 30,000 feet perspective. Nebraska had been doing chunk play after chunk play, taking what the defense was giving them, taking what the defense was giving them, and then a shot is called. You still had two timeouts. You still had plenty of time still on the clock with those two timeouts. You were having success along the sidelines. There was no reason to take your shot then. And I don't know if that was play calling, miscommunication, what that happened to be. I think it wound up being that Falk had the option to go deep or to stop. Yeah. His mother thought he would keep going. He decided to stop. But I don't like that mindset of giving the option there. I like the idea of continue to take the chunks until you're in a situation where Chancellor Brewington can level an Iowa defender and you can run a sweep into the end zone, or you've got Austin Allen and Travis Vokalek who can get open in the end zone when you're on the 10-yard line, or something where it plays into your favor, as opposed to trying to force and force and force. And we saw that from Nebraska's offense all season. Well, and a lot of the mistakes that Logan made, right, were, were I chalked it up to, again, the experience, right? The lack of, sure. and, and Frost said after the game that there was a play that they've run thousands of times. They've got thousands of reps under their belt. And it's like, maybe the team does, maybe Adrian does, mm-hmm. but how many of those were Logan Smothers yeah. to Levi Falk? How many times, how many times have those two players come together in any practice game, whatever, and had to read a defense together and get on the same page? I don't know, but in that moment, they were not on the same page. So obviously, whatever experience they had together wasn't enough to carry them over that yeah that hump, and it co- it ended up costing them cost them the ball. We'll say that. Yeah. Anyway, all that said, Logan Smothers played a great game. I'm really excited about his future. Yeah. Um, he showed off some really good decision making. I think on the whole, along with like just the physical attributes that you like to see for a quarterback in this offense. Yeah. You know, his speed to get to the edge, his elusiveness, you know, escaping in the pocket. And his, and his fearfulness, too. I mean, he went at the heart of Iowa's defense. He wasn't trying to shy away from a tackle or a play or anything like that. If, mm-hmm. if he saw the, the cut up the middle, he took it. He took the hits. He went down. He popped right back up. Like, there's some toughness with that kid, too. Yeah, he had a really great pass, I think, to Omar Manning or Xavier Betts. I can't remember which it was one. Manning. It was Manning. Yeah. Yeah, where he, I mean, he just took it right, right up. Stepped right in into the face, And he stepped into it. But And Manning made a really great adjustment on that ball, too. That yeah. can't be cut short as well. Yeah. That, where the Iowa defenders kept running, Manning saw the ball, came back to it, and made the play. Yeah. And there was that was really good connection between both of those guys. Yeah. So that was a good that was good to see. So I would also be remiss if we didn't mention Austin Allen. Yeah. Setting a setting a school record for most yards in a season by a Nebraska tight end in this game. He also owns the record for most receptions by a tight end in a season. Um, and most yards in a game, yeah. I think too. So And I think most receptions in a game. Yeah. I think he has all four. Just own yeah. He yep. owns that spot. And so not it's you know, congrats to him for for putting it all together this year. Also, congrats to Nebraska for finally incorporating the tight end the way that we, we wanted to see. Yeah. And then also, Samori Torre. He had another decent game. You know, not his best, but he was also in, in on some big plays. And yeah. it was nice to see a transfer work out. It's really sad that we only got one year with him. Yeah. He was kind of like Trey Neal. Trey Neal also had a really good single yeah. season with Nebraska. I think it was Scott Frost's first season with Nebraska. He really helped pull that defense together from that safety position made an impact there. So it was nice to see the the transfer portals change the game, right? Mm -hmm. You can build a team, i.e. Mel Tucker. You can build a team from the transfer portal. You can build a 10-year contract from the transfer portal. (laughs) Yeah, you can make $90 million (laughs) from the transfer portal. Uh, But yeah, I think those are are two players to absolutely highlight on that, on that offense. Yeah, it was. And then, and then I guess in that same vein, it was 
It was a bummer. Like as as good as Logan did, it was a bummer not to see Adrian out there. Yeah. Um, not knowing what his future is going to be. We'll talk about that down the road. Yeah. On this episode. Yeah, we'll speculate. We'll speculate together. Yeah. Um, but either way, you know, it's if if you're holding out for one thing with this Nebraska team and Scott Frost and Adrian Martinez, it's that they rewrite the ending of the story in a way that's satisfying, right? So that where they get the redemption or they get the big win or they, you know, they finally come back and and win that that close game, whatever whatever it may be. And and so it's just it sucks that Martinez didn't have that opportunity in this game. Yeah. Because you wonder, would this have been the one that went differently? Sure. I don't know answer, that it does. Yeah, no, answer is probably not, yeah. right? Because a lot of the things that happened negatively to Nebraska, I shouldn't say all of Logan's mistakes, because like the, the missed handoff with the fumble, again, that comes. I think that comes down to experience. Like You're not used to working with Brody Belt. Brody That's, Belt's not even a running back. That, to me, is about the only mistake that I chalk up to Logan. Yeah. The safety... I think it was just a piss poor play call. It's a fucking terrible. Why call. would you call such a long developing play against such a violent defense when you're backed up and you've had success on the ground with your running back in the quarterback run game? To me, that is that is an option read all day. Yeah, when it looked like I watched that play like a hundred times trying to figure out what the hell they were trying to do. There was so much extra like movement from Brody Belt and from Logan where it just seemed like they. Were they trying to run a counter op? Like it looked like a counter option read, but then it looked like maybe it wasn't supposed to be handoff at all, and it was supposed to be just a, a play action fake. Yeah, I I couldn't figure it out. It just seemed like a very messy sort of. What's play. even even more frustrating is then you see an offensive idiot Brian Ferentz in a similar situation on third down hit his tight end for like twenty fucking yards. Yeah, and you're like, this is Brian Ferentz. This guy can probably <laughs> barely tie his shoes. Let alone call an offense, and yet, <laughs> even a monkey can type Hamlet given enough times. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I hate Brian Ferentz, but they got out of some third down situations and some tough situations against Nebraska's defense by playing to their strengths. Yeah, that's that's one of the big differences I think between Nebraska, their coaching staff, and Iowa's coaching staff in general. Yeah, is that Iowa doesn't panic no matter what situation. Yeah, they're in. They trust their process, and it's not pretty. It's not pretty. They're not good. You know, there's nothing special about it, but it works because they they just follow it. They yeah. follow it so fucking well. Whereas Nebraska, they get into these situations where they do panic, and you can see it. It plays out just in the play calling. It plays out in the execution of the plays. It's just something that you as a fan, you can you can see it and you can sense it and you can yeah. feel it as it's unfolding, even if you can't always articulate it. Yeah. And then I think it all starts with that, that here we go again feeling. Yeah. Should we talk about defense? Yeah, let's talk about defense. This was the same game, I think, that we've seen all season from, from the defense. Yeah. They held on as long as they could. Iowa, I felt like, was able to run the ball all game you know, pretty well, taking off some, some chunk yardage here and there. And you were kind of just, at least for me, I was kind of waiting for that one big play where they where Iowa finally broke free. Yeah, and it happened, and it happened at about the worst possible time. Yep, um, and it led to Iowa's only offensive touchdown of the the day. So that was rough. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I this was hard for me to to assess them. Yeah. in this game because I, I felt like in the moment it felt like a rough game to watch. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, I was like, no, they're doing a good job. Yeah. They're, just putting, they're being put in bad situations. You can just see, again, going back to that comment you made about Iowa believing in their system and believing in what they do. 
that mm-hmm. long run by Goodson where he just had that wide open lane and Cam Taylor Britt made the touchdown saving tackle before Iowa inevitably scored the touchdown. Yeah. I mean, they just they believe in what they're doing. They're going to wear you down. We know that we've got one of the best offensive line lines in the country whether or not that's true statistically or not they just believe in it and they created that wide open running lane the one thing that excited me though was the play of guys like ty robinson i mean he woke up on game day ready to hit somebody yeah and hitting one guy on a play wasn't enough i mean he would level one guy and then he'd just go find the next guy to hit yeah and that's the kind of mentality moving forward that i look forward to when these younger guys on the defense are playing the word violence gets brought up a lot, especially out of my mouth, but that's the kind of mentality you have to have on defense. It's not about hurting the other player. It's just playing with that kind of intensity where it's a never say die situation. It's a never give up. It's I might be tired, but I can be tired after the game. I can sleep when I'm dead. I can do all that stuff. And so just running downhill and hitting one guy and then runs over his offensive line assignment and then just looks around and just fucking levels the next guy. <laughs> and it's beautiful. It's incredible. That was yeah. an incredible play. On the the other side of that, the just the verbal side of that, the post game, Casey Rogers um, was talking about what it would be like if Stilly doesn't come back next year. And he was talking about how he and, and Ty, he's like, you know, if, if Ben's not here, you know, I feel like me and Ty can lead the team. Yeah. And that that gave me the same sort of response, I guess, that the Ty, watch, watching Ty Robinson fly around. Yeah. I mean, just level dudes. Give me the same sort of like internal response. Like, like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like that's that is, again, that's the mentality that you want. It's, you know, Casey, Casey recognizes the talent and what and what Stilly brings to the game and his importance. But he also knows, hey, you know, like I'm the next dude up. Ty next to me, he's the next dude up. We got this. We can we can take on yeah. you know next year together. And so I yeah the the defensive line in this game was fantastic to watch. Yeah, they were really fun to watch. I think they out of the out of the defense, the defensive line, and then the cornerback play. Yeah, was outstanding one on one. Quentin Newsom especially, I thought had great a game. great game. Yeah. Um, the my one thing that I didn't appreciate was the lack of interceptions. Uh, you mean even <laughs> the six <laughs> opportunities or whatever it was, five opportunities? They had they had seven pass breakups in this game, four times that I counted where they had an interception in their hands and they they dropped it. Yeah. Or maybe it got poked out. But and then at least three of those led to points, led to field goals. So yeah, and I and you know that they'll be, you know, kicking themselves over that. They know. They yeah. know they know they should have had all of those. But when a defense holds the other team to nineteen points, and then special teams and the offense is giving up the other nine points that winds up, you know, winning the game. The defense is again still doing their part to win the game. Yeah, no, they're still doing their job, right? Like that's it's I wanna say it's nitpicky because right. it's not. Like they should have they should have had at least one of those. Statistically, they should have had two interceptions in this game, right? If you if you count it based on just like that fifty percent luck rule. But they yeah, they they did their job. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't have to do their job and then some to get the win. Right. They, they did enough, period. Like, the defensive side of the ball did enough. All right, well, that was Iowa. It was 2021 20, in a nutshell. And if anything, let's have another drink. <laughs> so we thought it was only appropriate to end the show the same way we started the show with a cream ale. And this is a cream ale from Loop Brewing Company called Orient Express. It comes in at 5.8% ABV, which is a little bit actually up there for a a cream ale. But just like their Imperial Stout, it does not taste heavy at all. Maybe that's the whiskey and the 16% stout that we just drank. But I I wouldn't say so, especially with knowing that stout. They, They seem to know how to hide the alcohol. 
pretty well in these beers and give you a really nice flavorful beer. Yeah, and we're shifting gears down yeah, really hard, right? Into yeah. a completely different style and away from the whiskey. Um, but this is another a nice, light, refreshing example of a cream ale. Yeah. This should be probably the state beer of Nebraska. I think so, especially with the amount of corn that goes into a cream ale. Yeah. There's a unique aroma that comes off of these beers. Mm-hmm. That <laughs> if you're not, That's a nice way to put yeah, it. <laughs> if you're not used to it, like... You don't know what to expect. It can kind of put you off probably. Yeah. Um, don't let it. Take a drink and, and then you'll realize like there's there's some quality beer underneath all that. Yeah. To me, what strikes me about a cream ale and this one included is some of the sweetness that you get from it. Like it's a real earthy, organic sweetness. It's the same kind of sweetness you get from taking a bite out of a good orange. Like when you get a nice little orange yeah. wedge. It's not the rind. It's not the bitterness. It's just that that sweetness, that sugar that just covers your your mouth. But it doesn't feel like something bad it feels like something that is natural and something that comes from nature and this beer delivers on that it it reminds me a little bit of an orange soda with some some real orange juicy essence but not uh not the same bitterness like i said that accompanies all that yeah so there's something about it that kind of pops out at you and i I don't know what it's coming from maybe it's that a little bit of like a hop hoppiness a little bit of that quality um but there's definitely something there that's like really interesting that i keep that keeps drawing me back in that i'm trying to figure out i'll be completely honest if i was at loop brewing company on a saturday during the season and i was watching a game and eating a slice of pizza i would lose count of the number of orient expresses (laughs) that i would order it i would the only way i'd be able to count is if they kept the glasses on the table and i have a feeling that no brewery does that they just keep taking them off the table and they go we'll call you an uber yep choo choo all aboard (laughs) well we want to thank loop brewing company for providing this beer via my dad scott so thanks again. Great beer. Great company overall. If you're in the McCook area, make sure to stop in. He was there for a trade show, and he said uh, they had an opportunity to go to other restaurants, but they just wound up going back to Lube each <laughs> night. So clearly they, they're doing something right. That's the best review you can get. We're back again. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Before we move on to our season recap, we want to take a quick moment to talk about our show partner, the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. As we mentioned at the top of the show, Wannabe Walk-Ons is the official podcast of the NCBG. The Guild is a professional organization that protects the craft brewing industry in Nebraska. The Guild's main focus is to encourage folks of a legal drinking age to drink Nebraska beer through promotion, education, and events. The craft beer industry employs over 4,000 people in Nebraska alone. When you drink craft beer, you're supporting local small business, something that's important now more than ever. If you're a fan of craft beer like we are, you can support the NCBG by joining the Nebraska Beer Alliance. Being a member gives you access to exclusive discounts, Nebraska beer merch, and members-only information. You can learn more about the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild, find local breweries, and join the Nebraska Beer Alliance by visiting nebraska.beer. Well, Drew, the 2021 football season is officially in the rearview mirror for Husker fans, so it's time for us to share a little bit of our immediate perspective and and look back on the season that was. I've got a couple questions for us to talk about. My first is, do you have any overall takeaways from the 2021 season? My thoughts exactly. (laughs) (laughs) This was this is a hard hard season to fully process, and it's going to take an entire off season to really probably understand what it all meant, if it even meant anything. I don't know. I feel like we were in on a practical joke. Right now, I'm still a little raw and hurt from the losing record, the way that we lost, just the tumultuousness of it all. I'm trying to take a step back and find 
the positive, find the good, like being able to reflect on, you know, Adrian Martinez for four years if he chooses to leave, being able to reflect on the players that are that are moving on, Austin Allen, Cam Taylor Britt. Yeah. On the defensive side, our safeties in, in Dismuke and Williams, you know, the, there's there's still so much good that got, I think, buried mm-hmm. underneath all just the ugliness of the season. It's going to take a little time to dig out, but it's there. Yeah. It's there. I think one of my biggest takeaways from the 2021 season is that we did see a lot of individual, highly athletic performances. We saw a lot of really good players. Yeah. It just didn't come together as a whole. It didn't in its... It's and that's so, so frustrating. It's frustrating. Jojo Doman, Ben Stilley. Yeah. Who else? DeAndre Thomas. Yeah. Guys like that. Like It's frustrating in one sense, but I, I challenge the perspective on this to say, well, if those guys then get to go off to the next level, if they wound up finally growing and getting to a point to where there's interest from the NFL, there's interest from other teams, that we saw success that we hadn't been seeing for a little while at Nebraska. So if we do have those guys go off and succeed in the NFL – that's some growth that maybe we weren't expecting going into this season, but that will do some good in the long term in maybe getting more players to come here and say, okay, I can develop at Nebraska. I can show off my ability. I can show off those skills. And hopefully that combined with some of the coaching changes leads itself into the kind of growth that we're hoping for. That's a very positive, positive way to look at it. That's, uh, we're, that's- we're drinking pretty heavily, so <laughs> I got nothing else but positivity. To, yeah. So let's get a little bit more nitty gritty then. You know, we've got the big picture of 2021, seeing a lot of these great athletic performances. What are some of the stat lines of 2021, if we're trying to get a little bit more granule, that you want to see some improvement on? Just some specifics. Not everything, but just, you know, here or there. Pick and choose. Yeah. So I think I think the first thing you start off with is wins. Oh, Absolutely. You know, that's what that's what it all boils down to. That's what you want to see. You hear Frost talk a lot about how wins will cure a lot of the things. Yeah. I think that looking at wins as the cure is probably the wrong way to go about it. I hope that they start to look for some other solutions yeah. that bring the wins to them rather than looking at wins as bringing them success. But as far as like stats go, things that you can control and things you can bring along. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about were just the miscellaneous points that Nebraska either gave up or didn't didn't score mm-hmm. um, in the season. And Dirk Chatlin wrote out this column, right, talking about this. And there's a quote from it that is floating around on the social web that I want to talk about. It goes, in 2021, Nebraska's offense and special teams directly handed opponents 43 points. One scoop six against Illinois, one pick six against Purdue, one kickoff return touchdown against Wisconsin, one blocked punt touchdown against Iowa, one punt return touchdown against Michigan State, three safeties against Illinois, Minnesota, and Iowa, and a two-point return against Oklahoma. Husker special teams and defense created zero points. Mm -hmm. That's huge. Yeah. That is huge. Those are just, I mean, those are like the gimme points, the freebies, right? Like your offense has to work for everything. And then, you know, if you're, if your special teams and your defense can, can't create something for you, they're not helping out, right? That they're hurting. And so I would love to see, I don't know, a balance, like a zero balance there where, you know, we're not just giving away points and but we're also like creating a couple here and there. Sure. You know, just to help us out. I think that's a great point to bring up because one of the stats that I have written down is defensive turnovers. Nebraska was 105th in the country. And to put simply, Nebraska's defense just needs to get more. Too often, late in games, the defense is gassed. They can't come up with that one more stop. 
So if you look at the game as like moving it forward a couple of quarters or moving back, I guess, a couple of quarters, if they can get some of those turnovers, if they can get the ball back to the offense and the offense can give them that little bit of rest over time, that not only gives you maybe more points on the board, but it also gives your defense that opportunity to regroup, to re-strategize, to rebuild themselves and then come out with a little bit more effort late in the game to close out. You look at just the Iowa game in general. You said if they had 50% of those passes were interceptions, that takes off points off the board. If the defense isn't having to do as much legwork, maybe that late game drive where Iowa gets their only offensive touchdown, maybe that's held to a field goal. And then Nebraska's re-strategizing. The game is different the way that it plays out. So I'd really like to see this defense that's been wildly effective in the, uh, the amount of points allowed start to get even more effective in the turnover game and see if that doesn't lead to more defensive points on the board or at least putting the offense in a better situation, a better field position, leading to more points, leading to more wins. Nebraska's really good at holding serve, but they're not good at like breaking serve. I don't even know what the fuck that means. I don't know if that's even the correct terminology. But no, why do you bring it up? <laughs> Sports. For all why. you Husker fans <laughs> who like local craft beer and occasionally the tennis reference the i don't know the maybe tennis reference yeah no i i play Wii tennis every once in a while okay okay and what you need to do is when your opponent is serving you need to break them you need to win that that game or that win that point yeah you need to win that when you're in order to win the whole game you need to you need to break your opponent's serve that's a real that's a real sports reference. That is a real sports <laughs> reference. That's what Nebraska needs to do. Okay. They need to they need to do more on defense than just hold. Right. They need to they need to create. They need to they need to shift the game. They need to change momentum. They need to create their own points. Like and they especially need to do that when the offense is not as efficient as they should be. They especially need to do that when special teams is setting them up for negative seven going into every game. Yeah. So Let's talk about what Nebraska should retain in 2022. What are some stat lines or areas where you hope that Nebraska... The first one that came to my mind was the tight end target share percentage. Wow. We're getting weirdly specific. Yeah, weirdly (laughs) specific. We're getting down there. We this is the first thing that came to my mind when I thought about like what what do I want to see this offense continue to do? And just this team, actually the team in general, right? But it, it went to how we are utilizing our tight ends and how important they are to the offense. Tight ends accounted for 26.5% of all targets on the year. They also accounted for 26.7% of all yards, receiving yards on the year. I think that's it's so vital to this offense. They're essentially just another wide receiver on the field, but a wide receiver that you can bring onto your line to block. They're very versatile in that sense. And there's so much potential with what you can do when your tight ends function in that regard. And I I would love to see that continue. Absolutely. And I think we have the talent there. And the fact, I believe Vokalek is back for next season. And you've got Fedoni coming in. Yeah. I think there's some opportunity to see similar numbers going into the 2022 season. We've got the talent. We sure do. We do. And, and Austin Allen's kind of like passing the torch there, right? Like he's yeah. shown us, okay, here's how it's done. The, the guys that are coming in next year or continuing on next year, they've been with him now and they, they kind of see that. I, I don't think that's going away. Right. And I'm glad that that finally came to fruition. Yeah. I have a really simple retention for 2022, and that's to let Frankie keep kicking the shit out of the ball. <laughs> if, if 
They had a shop at the stadium, and it had every player's jersey hung up on the wall, and you could just go up and you know buy in your size. I'd buy a 92. I'd wear Frankie's jersey because that dude, game after game, continues to deliver and do the thing he's supposed to do. Plus, he's a hometown boy. He just boots the shit out of the ball. And even on the safety kick against Iowa, he kicked it all the way down to the 10. And it's like, this guy knows what he's doing. So I want to see that kind of continuation from our special teams where we're not allowing teams to return the ball. Just keep touching back. Because this defense does well when they have plenty of room to work. They're going to stall you out around the 40, the 50, somewhere in that range. They're going to cinch up. And that special teams, that kickoff is so crucial and so important to that success. So I just want to keep seeing Frankie doing what Frankie do. I like that. I'm glad you brought him up because he should have been mentioned in the Iowa game review. He's always mentioned in my heart. I'm going to be sad when that guy graduates. Hopefully we'll have other kickers. No. <laughs> no, Frankie, stay oh. forever. Uh, do you have any other ones? The the one that I have that's kind of the obvious one is offensive yards per play. Nebraska averaged about six and a half yards per play in 2021, which was good enough for 24th in the country. The thing that you talked about a few episodes ago and that made me really look at this number, the way that I want to see this retained is less the 20-plus chunk yards and the two- to three-yard runs but see if we can retain six and a half yards per play with a focus on five to seven yard runs or three to four yard runs and then plays between that 10 to 19. So close the gap between our, our shortest plays and our longest plays and really hone in on still getting six to seven yards per play with longer runs and shorter, smarter passes. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to add on to that because I had one of my stats that I'd like to see retained is yards per pass attempt, which is 9.3, which is like a top 10 number. Like, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, and their yards per completion is also in the top 10. It's a fool's gold stat is what I would call that. Like, it's the same with the explosiveness. It, explosive and Explosiveness is nice, but it doesn't guarantee success. Right. Efficiency is what guarantees not even guarantees, but at least contributes towards or like is more successful than. So it would be great. It would be great to retain that, to retain those numbers, that that, that explosiveness. But like, let's bring some efficiency up right. behind it. Like, let's have that foundation there. And then that will make our, when we take our shots, our deep, deep balls, like that'll make them mean something. Yeah. That'll actually increase that number. It if should, you're, yeah. If you're more efficient, if you're getting more per play or more on the run game, more on the short passing passing play, then your your 20-yard, your explosive plays are going to add to that average, and we should see that grow. Yeah, and you all, you, you hear about um, how offensive coaches like to keep defenses honest by, like, you know, like they'll, they'll keep running the ball even though it's not working. They'll keep doing it, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then they'll take their shot because, you know, they'll they'll kind of like scheme their way into those explosive plays. It's amazing that Nebraska has not had to do that. Like mm-hmm. Nebraska is not an efficient enough offense to a point where they can just keep pounding and pounding and pounding and pounding the ball. And then they'll take that deep shot over the middle. Like they're able to complete those plays and they execute those plays so well it, despite the lack of efficiency on offense. It's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. So... Yeah, if they could just bring some some semblance of an average an average efficiency to their offense, that would that would do wonders for for this team. Sure. And then they'd be scoring over thirty points a game, and then it and then they'd be winning close games. All right, Drew. So now it comes down to one of our two important questions that I have left to ask you: Should Adrian be the quarterback in 
2022. Should Adrian hang out at Nebraska for another season? No. No? No. But here's it's not because I I don't want him back for selfish reasons. I actually enjoy I love watching him play. Yeah. I do. Like highs and lows, whatever. Um, you know, and again, as a as a human being, I think everybody can agree on this. He's a he's an incredible young man, right? Like, oh, absolutely. He continues to just kind of like blow you away with his poise and his ability to to handle adversity and just kind of how he's rolled along with all the negativity that's that's kind of come through his career. And not to mention like all the positives, you know, all the the incredible plays, the elusiveness is, you know, escaping the pocket, you know, the way he's played under pressure. It's been a lot of fun to watch him play, but I don't want him to come back for for one reason. I I think he needs to walk away for his own health. Yeah. And safety. Yeah. And I'm serious when I say that. Um Smothers just ran the ball 24 times in this game. How much of that was by design? How many were scrambles? Whatever. It was It was his first game as a quarterback in Nebraska, but it was the 12th game of the year. And if Adrian was in that position, it makes me wonder, like, what happens to him? Yeah. He's taken too many hits at mm-hmm. this point, I think. He's sustained, and he's played through too many injuries. And unless there's any dramatic changes next year, you know, to, to the way that Frost approaches his, his personnel decisions regarding injuries— I don't see how this is a good situation for Adrian to be in. Yeah. I think that's incredibly fair, and I agree with you. I also think that Adrian has earned the right to step away from Nebraska and to look at other opportunities for himself. It has nothing to do with Nebraska needing Adrian. It has everything to do with, I don't think there's benefits for Adrian at Nebraska. He has given his shoulder, leg, ribs, jaw, and in his entire heart to this program. And I think we would be doing him a disservice to have him start at quarterback again for the 2022 season. And I don't say that as a nice way of saying I don't want Adrian as our quarterback. I fucking love Adrian Martinez, and I have been vocal this entire season saying, if you think Adrian is the problem, you are the problem. And I stand by that. We saw in the game against Iowa that it's not Adrian that is leading to an interception, multiple fumbles, special teams issues, that sort of thing. He's kept us in these games the same way that Logan Smothers kept Nebraska in this game and gave us the opportunity to win. And I think that Adrian, with his experience, could continue to succeed at Nebraska. But for the reasons that you've stated with his health and well-being, and with a new OC coming in, with a new quarterback coach coming in, if he's starting at ground zero and having to work his way back up versus another school who looks at him and goes, hey, we would have you starting. We would have you fit into this system. we got a great offensive line. You're going to build up that highlight tape, and you're going to have an opportunity to succeed and go to the next level or whatever the next step is for you. If that opportunity arises for Adrian, he has earned the right to look into that and to take it seriously. If Nebraska is what he believes is his personal best fit, I would happily welcome him back with open arms. But if there is a better opportunity for him as a fan base, he's given us everything. We owe him to say, we will support you and continue to be behind you. A lot of people, when when guys transfer out, say on social media, once a Husker, always a Husker. Hey, we hope the best for you, all that sort of stuff. 
a lot of that time is just waxing poetic and it's just bullshit and it's us being nice for the sake of being nice because that's the kind of fans we are. Adrian's not once a Husker, always a Husker. Adrian's a fucking Nebraskan at this point. He is one of us. He is salt of the earth. He has given us everything. It's no different than your own child going off and doing something that is best for them. I don't say this as a way of being nice. I say it as this kid has worked so damn hard that I don't know what 2022 is going to bring. And if he thinks that there's an opportunity that will better him for the future, I want him to take that more than I want my own team to succeed because he has earned that. So my, my answer to the question of should Adrian return for 2022 is kind of a yes and no. But it's a, you have the right young man to go look for the best thing for you because for four years, you've looked at what's the best thing for this team and you're reaching the point to where it's time to worry about yourself. Yeah, that's a that's a perfectly stated... I'm just... I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I look at it as if that was my son, what would I want for him? If that was my brother, what would I want for him? If that was, you know, if, if he was my teammate, what would I want for him? Yeah. I think the thing that the thing about this Husker team this year that I've kind of focused on as as my silver lining is that they've all kind of like learned a lesson about perseverance and all that stuff, you know, through adversity and, and all that. Like Adrian didn't I don't feel like he needed that lesson. No. He learned that lesson as a freshman. He, he learned well, he learned that he learned that like like even in his in his life before football. Yeah. You know, and the and and the other thing is is, is that Scott Frost and Nebraska fans and you know, whoever else want Adrian Martinez to succeed as a football player because they want to see that, you know, what he's endured and what he's gone through and, and what he's given. They want to see that reciprocated. They want to see it paid off because they want, because I think we all want to believe that that exists in this universe. That like just good people gain good results um, when they put forth that sort of an effort and it hasn't happened. And that, and that kind of compounds the frustration. And so, yeah, like you, if if he comes back, you want him to succeed, not because you want to see Nebraska football just like rebound, but you want to see him get paid paid back. But you're willing to to let him walk and be successful somewhere else because he deserves it. Absolutely. So I yeah I agree 100 percent with your with where you're coming from. I'm on the same I'm on the same boat just differently. I differently stated more yeah. poorly stated than what you <laughs> offered. So yeah I I hope I hope that Adrian's 2022 year. Whatever he's doing, whether even if he's not playing football, if he's just like, no, nah, I'm done. You yeah. know, I don't want to go graduate transfer. I just want to. That's it. Like football's that was fun for me, and I'm done. Whatever his decision is, I am behind it 100. percent All right, Drew, it's time to move away from the 2021 season. It is officially over and done. We're done talking about it. Thank fucking god. Thank you. Thank you. So it's time to look to 2022. Yeah. <laughs> Real quick, I'm going to read down the season, our schedule. As of now, who knows what could happen in the offseason? <laughs> what sort of shenanigans are we going to pull <laughs> this year? Would they be called Trevnanigans? <laughs> so um, here's the schedule. We've got Northwestern, North Dakota, Georgia Southern, Oklahoma, Rutgers, Indiana, Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Purdue, Illinois, and Iowa. We've got two bye weeks built into that season. The first bye game is coming after the Indiana game. So one, two, three, four, five, six games into the season. 
Good halfway marker. Yep. And the second buy game is coming in one, two games after that. So that worked really well for us this year. Yeah. So a uh, buy game after Indiana, we play two more games and then a buy after Minnesota going into Wisconsin, Purdue, Illinois, and Iowa to finish out the season. What is your really way too fucking early prediction for where Nebraska may wind up? Do you really want to know? I'm asking you, ain't four and I? four and eight. Is it four and eight? Maybe five and seven. I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to be a downer, but like I was, yeah, I was looking, I was looking at at the teams, and I don't know, four, five, six weeks ago would have been completely different because this is a schedule that you, you know, who the fuck do we play? Purdue? They're probably, you know, Rutgers, Indiana, all those teams that you'd think like, yeah, those are the teams that Nebraska beats on a regular basis, Illinois. We beat those teams, but then we didn't this year, or we struggled, or we had close losses, and you have to be realistic, and I don't know. I don't know how we manage a winning season. So, I have seven and five. Wow. With a with a five and four Big Ten record. Okay. Why? Why? So, I'm I've... Not, hang on. Before, when I say why... I'm not saying it from like a, no, that's dumb. I'm saying it from a like, yeah, feed me, feed me hope. Like bring me back. So here's, here's my why. Okay. My why is this, an improved offensive line and a devoted special teams coordinator. Those are the two keys in my opinion that could lead to enough of a turnaround that gets us to a winning record in both the regular season and in big 10 play. I think we beat Northwestern. Northwestern didn't really show a whole lot of life this season, and Nebraska was able to rack up a lot of points against them. You could you could substitute Illinois for Northwestern in that sentence, and twenty twenty one for twenty twenty two. I could, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, I, and, and we're fair. putting this, and we're and we're in Ireland, and we have a whole new. Nebraska staff. is undefeated in Ireland. <laughs> Nebraska has yet to lose a game in Ireland. The schedule actually makes me feel worse. It's a good schedule, though. It's a juicy schedule for yeah. a for a good team, for a team that's more than just Nebraska in name. You're hurting my feelings at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I want I want them to be I want them to be successful. I want Scott Frost to be a successful coach. Yeah, I want this team to win. Games. I thought seven and five was realistic. Like I thought I'm looking at this going. You know what I. I think that's I think that's still too optimistic. I think a winning record at this point is optimistic. Well, I hope. I think you're on the wrong side of the sun. I hope. <laughs> either way, the sun would burn us. <laughs> I just hope. This, I mean, like this. This to me. This to me is realistic. If we start to fix the little things that make Nebraska fail in 2021 but succeed in 2022. With it being as close as we are, and I hate saying the close word because I know that that's kind of a repeated joke now at this point in the season. But if we improve the offensive line and we improve the special teams, enough of these games start to flip into our favor and Nebraska can realistically have this kind of a season. We'll know more when these coaches get hired and we see what's developing. But Right now, I just have to believe that if the things that I feel are holding us back get fixed, we can at least get to the point to where we build momentum, get back to a winning season, get to a bowl game, and finish middle of the pack in the Big Ten West to where we're not fighting Northwestern for last place in the division 
I tell you what, we've got the off season to figure things out, and I've got the op- I've got the off season to regenerate hope. You do, and it'll it'll happen because I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a hopeless. Like I I know I'm a hopeless idiot. I don't care. Like that's what that's what being a fan is about. It's the yeah. same reason. Like when we were up, I don't know, twenty one to six against Iowa, and we're three and eight, and I'm like, yeah, we're gonna fucking crush them. <laughs> it's it's the same. It's this. Same stupid fucking kernel of hope that just like resides in my heart. Yeah. I cannot, I can't get rid of it. And I don't want to. I don't want to lose this. Good. And I never, yeah, I never will. So thanks, thanks for that, Dad. <laughs> 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 thanks for bringing that into my life. Absolutely. Yeah. We've done it. Then we've reached the end of the season. We just, we did it somehow. I mean, I guess time, time propels us forward, whether we want it or not. We're all gonna die someday. <laughs> We reached the end of the first season as the wannabe walk-ons. And do you know what that means, Drew? I think that I do, but uh, why don't you go ahead and tell me? That means it's time for us to give away our season-long prize package to one lucky listener, especially (laughs) if they made it through the end of this episode. Yeah, lucky, lucky for you for listening to this. Hey, we had close to 100 submissions from listeners throughout the entire season, and we couldn't be more grateful to all of you who have tuned in. Each entry was given a number in the order the entry was received, and now we are going to click that number randomizer three times in honor of the number of wins Nebraska had this season. Here we go. One, two, three. And the winning number is 31. The listeners don't know which number belongs to which person. Congratulations, 31. You're the winner. <laughs> okay, well, I know who belongs to 31, and it is listener Caleb Bevins. All right, congratulations, Caleb. We will reach out to you via the email you submitted to get your mailing address. Expect your prize package soon. That does it for this week and this season. We want to thank everyone who tuned in this entire year. Yeah, we'll be back for a full second season near the end of next summer. Make sure to follow us on social media at Wannabe Walk-Ons and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. We have some special things in the works for the offseason and you never know when a special episode may pop up. Remember to do your part. Drink local beer wherever you are. You can find more information on Loop Brewing Company by visiting loopbrewingcompany.com. If you want more information on any of the beers we drank this season, check out the show notes on all of our episodes or email us at wannabewalkons at gmail.com and just ask. And tune in next year as we go through all the ups and hopefully less downs of Husker fandom while also enjoying the best damn beer this state has to offer. Thanks for listening. And as always, drink big red, drink big red. Uh